Hello and welcome to Wisdom, a dynamic podcast series unlike any other. Join me on this enlightening journey as we delve into captivating conversations with industry pioneers, colleagues, friends and extraordinary individuals from diverse backgrounds. Together we will explore the depths of wisdom encompassing both the realms of business and life beyond its confines. Wisdom is not your average podcast. It goes beyond the ordinary and emphasizes the transformative power of life experiences. In each episode we will embark on freewheeling discussions unearthing the valuable insights that every sphere of life has to offer to never miss an episode subscribe to wisdom today and be a part of our growing community of wisdom seekers let's unlock the profound secrets of life together welcome to wisdom i'm your host deepak narayanan come back with the second part of the conversation with our special guest the accomplished jb jerian if you haven't heard the first part I would request you to go check it out first. Let's dive in right away. If you have to tackle the uh, the question around inevitable disruption in business, uh, we are world, living in a world of rapidly emerging trends and uh, disruptive forces. JB, how can organizations proactively navigate these trends, uh, capitalize on new opportunities, and ensure long-term success and sustainability? Right, it is like trying to surf the wildest waves of change, isn't it? Yeah, so um, very interesting question. They, they were, this has been something that I've been thinking about quite a bit um, in the in the recent past. And the reason I started thinking about this is, uh, and I was thinking about it from a market perspective, right? And let me be more specific, right? So if you look at the two thousand and eight financial crisis, right, there was a bunch of traders who made a lot of money because uh, they shorted the stocks of all of these companies that they thought were going to go under, right? and the key thing is they did this much long before anybody realized there was a problem right the problem happened in 2008 and these guys started shorting the stock in 2005 right um and then you fast forward to 2019 2020 um bill ekman you know the hedge fund fund manager he made money going into covid and getting out of covid right both in you know, getting into covid you know he heard of one case in wuhan and he came to the to the he formed a hypothesis that this thing might spread and he started again doing you know what he does best you know he started going short on companies that would get impacted and before covid was you when know, the vaccines were discovered he went long on all of these companies so he made money both in and out of the market and the reason i mentioned this is to me the interesting question is why do a small minority of people why do they see this much before others do right and i came to the to my conclusion that they're paying attention they're paying atten- they're doing two things one is they're paying attention right uh to everything that that may not be directly connected with their with their sphere of activity but everything that may have a have a connection to it and two they're extremely good at connecting dots right uh they're looking at data and they're connecting connecting dots and then most important thing they do the third step uh, deepak which uh, you know for example you know i'm pretty good at 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 connecting dots but the third step i'm very very you know i'm quite bad at it which is the courage to make a bet on it right if, if will i have the will i have the courage to go ahead in 2005 and bet a a billion dollars which is what most of these traders did a billion dollars on the market going down into going down in the near future right and 2005 is you know the market still hadn't peaked yet 
right? So that is that, that that's a key element of when you're facing disruption, you know, the ability to connect the dots. First of all, collect the dots, uh, and second, you know, connect connect um, uh, first collect, then connect, and third, the courage to to make a bet on it, right? Now, I had a professor at uh, the University of Chicago. He he taught the whole class a method for connecting the dots, right? And he said, and this was way back in 2000, 2002 time frame. He said, listen, you know, when you get the Wall Street Journal, um, the, the Wall Street Journal is, you know, the left-hand column and the right-hand column at that time. I'm not sure how the journal has evolved since then. It's stage management, ownership and all. But on one side of that, of that paper, on the front page, I'm not sure if it's left or right, on, on the right-hand side, I think, is where they are covering a company, um, you know, that, you know the, the strategy and all of that. On the left-hand side is, is a company that they covered six months or two years ago and how that strategy is evolving, right? So he said, you, uh, you know, you make a scrapbook out of this. And I started doing this diligently. So, you know, when, we, when you come to my home next time, Deepak, I'll show you my scrapbook of, uh, of, of Wall Street Journal articles that I've cut off. And, and what happens is, you know, so you're seeing strategy unfold real time, right? So they do a piece on what a company is doing strategy-wise today. Six months later, they, they revisit that strategy and say, listen, this is what happened, right? So that was a great that, a method for me to start, uh, uh, you know, start understanding um, how these things, uh, how the dots connect. Right now, the the, the you all you know we all familiar with AI disruption that is happening, but I don't think that is the biggest disruption that is happening now. Right in my view, the biggest disruption that needs to happen is uh, is in our own mindsets about how we think about industries. Right, um, and the reason I say that is any business leader who's thinking about being in a quote unquote being in an industry is going to be disrupted. Right. Um, industry boundaries are getting blurred, and it's been getting blurred for a for a long time. And I personally call it industry fusion. Right. Um, so I'll give you an example. In my mind, it's a good example of of how Amazon does this very well. See, Amazon started selling books, right? And sometime later, they started getting into the hardware, in uh, meaning you know Kindle or uh, e-readers. Now, why did they do that? Because they looked at the customer and said, the customer is now beginning to read books on, on in a digital format. So if I'm still going to be selling physical books, that market is going to get smaller and smaller, right? So it is better if I can, if I, if I'm able to provide a, 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 a avenue for the customer to be still my customer and buy the books from me. Right. They got into yeah, into into the Kindle, uh, just connecting those dots. The the fact that they were they had the data to look at and say, listen, the consumer preferences are changing from reading physical books to books in electronic format. And therefore, what do I need to do to get there? And typically, you know, and those of us, you know, who have had you know gone to the gone for an MBA program, we've been taught to believe that stay close to your knitting, stay focused. Yeah, right. Your focus is you're a retailer. Why should we get into the manufacture of, of electronic hardware, right? We would not have done that. And Amazon has been a great master of looking at customer preferences and, and defining their industry as being whatever the customer preferences are, right? So if you look at AWS, if you look at the, uh, at the e-books that they came out with, great example of how they have ridden this tiger of, of, uh, of disruption. 
right? So, um, so that's the way I think about disruption. Um, uh, you know, and the other thing about disruption is it always starts happening at the fringes, right? And um, uh, because there's a lot of energy against disruption, there is embedded forces, whether it is lobbying or or people behavior or whatever, and then it reaches a tipping point. And once it crosses a tipping point, the disruption is sudden, right? And it's happening with electric with EVs now. You know, it's happening at the fringes. The fringes are expanding, right? And then one day the regulations are going to be much more in favor of uh, of EVs. Uh, the people's you know apprehension about the the range anxiety and everything else is going to go away. And then that disruption is going to be quick and sudden. And organizations or like and automotive manufacturers who haven't made that shift long is going to be disrupted, right? And the 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 the, the one more thing about disruption is don't think when disruption most often happens from companies that you aren't even thinking about, right? So when you look at cloud computing, Amazon was never at the consideration set of an IBM or a or a uh, Microsoft or a Google or whoever, you know, at that point in time, who were on the leading edge of cloud services, right? Amazon came in from came in from nowhere, right? If you look at electric vehicles, the disruption in the automotive industry didn't happen from any of the incumbents. It didn't happen from Toyota or any of the Detroit Big Three. It came from Tesla, mm. right? You look at industry after industry. You know, innovations in banking aren't happening from the J.P. Morgans and the HDFCs and the and the you know uh, uh, Chase Manhattan's of the world. It's happening from the small startup, mm. right? And if you look at a societal government level, you know, the uh, some of the biggest technology revolutions are happening from India, right? The unique ID, the uh, you know the DG Yatra. The uh, you know yeah, but you you talk about you know the, the the India stack, those are things that you know nobody everybody expected the either the United States or the or Europe to come up with these disruptions. It came from India, right? So disruptions always happen from places that you that you are not expecting uh, from where it is not expecting expected to happen, right? And that's why most organizations miss out on this because you're not looking where the disruption is happening. You're looking at your usual suspects, and the usual suspects are happy with the comfort in the in the comfort zone. So you miss out on the bigger picture. Totally, I think it 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 also goes back to the famous uh, saying, Chevy, uh, which says that that uh, it takes an elephant too much time to to turn or to dance. Uh, so I think which is also why some of these uh, nimbler, uh, swifter organizations take the lead when it comes to. Uh, innovation and and the tech revolution that you're talking about, and uh, uh, one of the biggest takeaways for me here, uh, JB, apart from all the pearls of wisdom, is the fact that you said you gave me an invitation home, so I'm going to take that up. <laughs> Please, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm going to switch gears a bit now and talk about consulting. My favorite, uh, JB. Huh. I I think we have had uh, several discussions around this. Uh, and we have also touched upon this, but I would like to uh, hear your perspectives and and for you to share it with the listeners. Why do you think we haven't seen an Indian uh, owned or an Indian brand, okay, a consulting firm which is which is Indian, truly Indian, uh, and which has which is yet to attain any significant global scale? Why, why do you think what's what's stopping us? I think it's only a matter of time, uh, Deepak. Uh, so if you ask the same question about 40 years, 40 years ago in most industries, right, whether it's manufacturing or services, 
uh, we would be hard pressed to name in any Indian company that has scaled globally, right? Today, across industries, both in services and manufacturing, you know, homegrown companies have have scaled globally. IT being the the, the poster boy. See, what we have to recognize, Deepak, and we are blessed to do, have this, is we have to recognize the fact that you, we have a large enough domestic market here, right? There is no compulsion for us to go global, right? Um, and if you, there's, your question specifically was on consulting. Now, if you look at most consulting companies, the high-end consulting companies, I think people from India are a huge part of their workforce, both in you know at all levels of the organization, from the all the way from managing partners down to down to the analysts. There are a lot of lot of people from India in the workforce. So you know it's not a question of aptitude or individual capabilities, right? It's just time, right? And if you if you look at why did Western companies like a McKinsey or a Bain or you know any of the big four. How did they become global? You know, the economic environment matters a lot. And the Western economies have had a very long period of economic growth and a competitive business environment, which is kind of what nurtures consulting companies, right? Which was absent in our country up until 1991, 1992, right? In terms of a competitive, a competitive um, uh, environment or a high growth rate, right? So when you look at that at that period, in, you know, since World War II in, in in the developed nations, there was a perfect environment for consulting companies to be nurtured. Right? The uh, whether you whether you look from the the evolution of the thought process of creating or business models, you know, first is a conglomerate, then going from the conglomerate to the focus within one industry. You know, the 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 four box model that uh, BCG came up with, the learning curves. All of those concepts were, uh, you know, were developed because there was a competitive environment in which their clients needed to compete in, right? Now, there are also some things that we need to do do better uh, as a country. One is when you look at the Western management education, there's a huge emphasis on research by the faculty, right? Practical research by the faculty. And that also plays a significant role. Right, because it is that kind of research that leads to frameworks, and you know that helps companies navigate better. So, for example, if you look at the Harvard Business Review, HBR, great piece of writing, right? Why can't we create the equivalent of an HBR here, right? Because when you look at our country, the complexity that happens in India at scale is not available anywhere in the world, not even in China. China, China is much more of a managed market. Right. So there is ample opportunity for us to 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 create something that the 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 entire world will benefit from. Right. Second reason why these Western companies went global is because when when their clients went global, they pulled them along. So when General Motors went to went to Europe, they pulled their consultants along. Right. And when our companies go, when our Indian origin companies go go global, we are not doing the same thing. We are not pulling the Indian companies globally along with them, right? We still go with the McKinsey, we still go with the Bain, we still go with some of these Western companies. Part part of it is the great work that, you know, all of these firms do. Part of it is also about the bragging rights. Well, I've got McKinsey working for me, right? They used to say you can't get fired for hiring IBM, right? So it's the same kind of kind of uh, thing. So I think the time is right for a firm from India to emerge globally, right? Uh, because the kind of complexities you see in India is quite unparalleled. You know that provides rich manure for people practicing consulting work to to what we call crack the case, right? Uh, add to this the English language proficiency, the analytical mindset. Um, we have what it takes 
it's only a matter of leadership. Two things, two more things, right? One is we need a leadership mindset that says, yeah, we are good enough to go global, right? And the second is the willingness to spend the money to do the branding work that is required, right? You can't work through an airport anywhere in the world, whether it is in India or any of the major hubs in the world, without seeing a, an ad from one of these large consulting companies, right? But how many of them do you see an Indian Indian uh, uh consulting firm uh, 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 branding that happens any of these large plays. So we we will have to have the, ability, the willingness to spend the money to create the brand. Right. So I think it's only a matter of time. Excellent. Excellent. I, I actually can't, uh, I mean, if this, is, if this is a secret recipe or the secret sauce, uh, uh, JP, then I can't wait to savor that and maybe even uh, be the ch chef here, right, to create that yeah. perfected recipe. Uh, so now let's dive into a more personal topic, JP. I'm curious. Can you share some of the books? I know you're an avid reader. Uh, some of the books that have shaped your thought process and perspectives. Are there any particular ones that that have left a lasting impact? And anything interesting that you're reading at the moment? Yeah. So uh, you know, to me, you know, I I read almost ninety minutes a day. I read myself to sleep. Right? That's why I like the Kindle because you know you don't have to get up to switch the lights off or anything. Um, to me, it's about exploring and learning. So, you know, like you said, I, I read a lot, right? And when I read, I take notes of the books I read. And um, and I'm not sure if you are the recipient of any of the notes that I that I have sent I to have, people. Yeah, okay. Gold start. I mean, I can name of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read and and I send uh, these notes to to others. And for certain books that I read, that you know that I that I want to synthesize further, I create mind maps, right? And I I create the mind maps for two specific reasons. One is every three or four weeks I go and revisit those mind maps so that it keeps it fresh in my mind. And second, when you create the mind map, it also helps you to draw the connections uh, and ideas from different books. Right. So, you know, one of these books that, uh, you know, that, that I love a lot and that is, I go back and revisit quite often is this book by George, Dr. Joe Dispenza. You know, it's a book called Becoming Supernatural. Uh, I'm not sure if I bought you one of these, uh, the book. I bought this book for many, for many people you know, because I loved it so much. Right. And, uh, and then I read this book. Actually, I first read this book called Leadership and Self Deception by Arbinger Institute. A great book on, you know, how, um, uh, your your actions and your perceptions of somebody else impacts how you act and how that particular act impacts that other person, right? So, uh, a, a great book that I read. Brilliant, brilliant. Can we keep sharing this? Uh, I'm actually going to schedule some time every month just to ask you your recommendations on on books that that I can pick up. Now, let's let's actually move on to the last two questions, right? And and one is about uh, discussing impactful people. Uh, you have worked in uh, in in an organization like uh, IBM, worked with stellar people, and even post IBM, I think uh, you've had the opportunity to to interact, meet, and have some wonderful conversations with uh, uh, with with highly impactful people, right? So, who are some of these people that have made the most impact on you, and what are some of the most important lessons that you have learned from them? Lessons that you learned from them. Yeah, and I don't think you will know any of these people. Then I'm, I will mention mention about three or four people because these are people who taught me things that that have uh, that I've used all through my career. Right, I started actually on day one of my uh, my employment that uh, in the US. Uh, you know, a fresh graduate coming out, fresh off, uh, you know, from India, um, going to my workplace. I was dressed in what I thought was you know was my best suit. 
There's a brown colored sewer. And I went in and I, I've been in, in my office for about an hour, hour and a half in my cube. And the managing partner comes out and says, Hey man, if you want to have a career in this company, you better learn to learn dress well. Right. And then he spent an hour with me teaching me the ins and outs of coordinating your uh, your shoes with the belt and your socks and your suit and everything else, right? And then he took me out shopping in the afternoon and he took me to this place where he buys a suit and I said, John, I can't afford any of this on my salary, right? So, you know, he fronted that for me. He said, you pay me when you can, right? So that was a great lesson and, you know, the, how because the first impression always is, is, is very important, right? Even before you open your mouth, people look at you and say, okay, is this person, please, this person, you know, somebody uh, that who I should engage with, right? So, so that that has stayed with me all through my life on the importance of of dressing well, right? Maybe a mundane point, but I'm just telling you the things that you know that I have taken uh, that I've benefited from, right? My uh, my second lesson was uh, I mean there are many lessons, but some of these things that I remember. Um, I think it must have been 2002, um, uh, not 2002, 2001 Christmas, right? We had spent for three or four days straight in the office. This was the days, you know, when you when you took pride uh, that, you know, you haven't gone home for 72 hours and you're putting in the burning the midnight oil. We were working on three or four client deliveries at the same time. And there were two people left in the office, three people left in the office, you know, the, uh, the managing partner, my senior uh, consultant and me, right? And uh, it is 1.30 in the morning. We had finished the last piece of work and I'd given it to my uh, to my senior and I said, listen, you know, I'm going to go now. And he said, Jebby, you've done so much so far. Wait till this goes to the managing partner and, uh, and he signs off on it. Because people always remember who was there with them when they finished the task. Right. So that was that was another important lesson, you know, and I followed that. You know, it is not about just about beginning. It's also about making sure that, you know, you are there till the till the till the, till the last bit of whatever you're working on. The third piece of work of or the third person who had an impact on me, Al Deepak, was uh, my former managing partner here in IBM, Vanita Narayan. Right. And I'll tell you the the context. You know, uh, and this was after I'd become the managing partner for the consulting business in India and South Asia. Um, I had a very, very tough conversation with a with a client, you know, and um, and the client wanted me to to apologize, and I said no, I don't realize what I have done wrong, so I'm not apologizing for something that I believe what I did was right. So I I come back to the office, and Vinita called me to the office to her office and said, Javi, people will always forget what you told them. They will never forget how you made them feel. Absolutely, right. So solo your ego, you you know you go and apologize, and I did that because I respect respected her and I respect her, and I did that right. And today that client is a is a is a is a very dear friend, and in fact I was his job reference for the three or four jobs that he changed since then at a very senior level. And the and the last manager that you know I that I hold very dear to my heart, you know, was my former managing partner, my managing director at IBM, Shankar Andasami, right? Shankar taught me what integrity means, right? Through example, right? And, uh, you know, um, through, when, I, when I say example, I'll tell you one specific anecdote. 
there was one quarter in which, you know, we were not doing too well, right? And the whole and eyes of IPM Global was on was on India, right? And there was a particular project that came up and uh, and the rest of us, yeah, uh, there were, I don't know, 18 people on the call. The rest of us all wanted to go to do this project, right? Shanga stood on his own and said, no, I'm not allowing you guys to do this. Because in his gut, he sensed that there was something wrong with the way the project was being was being, was being being uh, offered to us, right? So uh, he stood he stood tall, right? And he, re he refused to give us the permission to, to move ahead. And two years later, that project, you know, uh, was... Uh, uh, yeah. And we were all thankful that, let me put it this way, we were all thankful that we didn't take that project, right? So Shanga was somebody who defined what integrity is, who stood by by what it is. You know, it, to me, to him, it was not situational, right? It was, you know, it was black and white. There was, you know, there was no two ways about it. It didn't matter what the consequences were. Uh, you know, he didn't go on the on the wrong side of that line, and so he taught. Well, you know, I always. You know, I had an understanding and, you know, I never did anything that crossed the line. But Shankar showed me with example how you stood on the line and never let anybody else cross it. Right. So these are the people that, you know, that, uh, you know, that in their own ways have uh, contributed to my uh, to my career. Uh, in I'm not sure if any of them realized they were doing this, you know, so. So thanks to them, you know, that uh, they shared and uh, they were candid enough to share with me what they thought they should. So I, uh, this is truly fascinating. Uh, JB, I have a Shankar story, if I can take a minute ah. and, and tell you that. Yeah. So, so another thing, uh, you spoke uh, about integrity and Shankar, right? I, I think uh, it is also humility and uh, a willingness to learn. Okay, He actually reached out to me about three weeks back. You know, huh. you know what he was reaching out. Huh. He reached out to ask me. You tell me how is it for Indian companies and especially companies like yourself who actually have done something, uh, right? To to uh, set up operations and scale in the U.S. Uh -huh. You know, this is coming from somebody who ran who ran a global company. Yeah. You know? At first, I was I was quite shocked. Okay, and and uh, he said, "Can I can I actually uh, can we have a conversation? Can you can you kind of spare forty five minutes to an hour?" And uh, he was absorbing every single thing, you know, and he had questions to ask. And he was not doing this because it was a formality. I think he was doing this because someone had reached out to him and they genuinely needed his advice. And he said that I I could think of a few people, and you were one of them. So yeah. I was actually quite floored by his. Uh, uh, humility, because I think he could have gotten anybody to to to, to kind of talk to him uh, on this topic. And when he reached out and he was uh, kind of asking questions and being so curious, uh, you know, there there were goosebumps uh, all right. over my body. Right, right, right. That's right. my Shankar. No, no, I you know um, I reached out to Shankar even now. You know, I'll give you just last week, and I was faced with the situation where uh, you know I decided to terminate somebody in my office. Uh, uh, because in my view, it was a it was uh, a violation of integrity, right? Because the person, you know, uh, uh, it was a white lie they said, but it, nevertheless, it was a lie, right? So I made the decision to uh, to terminate that individual, and but I didn't feel good about the decision, right? So I called Shankar and I said, Shankar, I'm in this 
thing, you know, I, from an integrated perspective, you know, I'm clear, I want to fire, right? But my, my mind is saying no, how will you advise? And Shankar said, you're being too, too rigid about it. Right. Mm. You don't, you know, you don't fire somebody for, for a white lie because they were afraid how you would react or respond. You know, it didn't impact your organization one way or the other. Right. It was for their own. It was a, it was a non-impactful, impacted thing. Right. So he set me right. You know, he set me thinking straight and I put that person on, on a probation. I avoided terminating that individual. Right. So Shandar is somebody who I go back to even now, you know, when I'm faced with uh, dilemmas and confusions, you know, I reach out to him and I ask him and most willingly he gives me what he thinks. Again, he's not trying to please you or anything. He's just telling you, you know, what is on his mind. Fascinating. How good is that, right? Uh, yeah. Chevy, to have people like that in your life. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and my last question to you, sir, JP, I think you have had, you are a very... Uh, you're a spiritual person. I've seen you uh, in close quarters. Uh, right. And what does, how uh, how does spirituality, what kind of a role does spirituality play in our da daily lives in order to face the challenges, especially of uh, that modern businesses face, right? And um, if I were to ask you a question, if companies had spiritual spirituality departments, yeah. like they are people, finance, what kind of job titles and responsibilities do you think would exist in this mythic mythical realm, it, I can't. I can't help but laugh. You know, if companies had spiritual departments, it'd be like innovation departments, right? Nobody has ever, ever innovated because you're in an innovation department, right? Uh, the best way to kill innovation is to start measuring innovation. You know, tell them on Wednesday at between two and four is your is your innovation hour, right? So, uh, see, I'll tell you what. This word spirituality means it means a lot of different things to different people, and there is obviously, you know, um, the path of enlightenment, which I am not qualified to uh, to talk about. So I'll tell you what it means to me in the context of being an entrepreneur or 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 leading a team. Right? It's about being aware of how you are inside of you. Right? So you're not reacting to situations, but responding to situations. Right? And um, I fail at this very often, uh, Deepak. Just the day before yesterday, I was with the vendor. I mean, I was talking to a vendor who was kind of playing uh, uh, a little mystery with us. So I lost my temper a bit, right? And uh, and I felt bad about it in terms of, you know, I, I reacted to the situation rather than responding to the situation. So I reflected on it and said, you know, what made me, what made me react to it rather than, rather than respond to it? And it was there a better way for me to, to have dealt with it. Right. So, spirituality to, to me is uh, at the core, uh, it's uh, understanding who you are. Right. I mean, I say who you are, that's a, as a, as a universal uh, fundamental question. But uh, in my view, it is about being aware of how you're feeling, right? And, and how your actions are going to impact others. So, and, 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 and what do you do with it? So, you know, if you understand, if you are aware of this and you're being empathetic about this, so you choose your words very carefully when you're talking to people, right? You still deliver the difficult messages that you have to deliver, right? But you're also aware of, the, of how you're delivering that, uh, uh, that, that conversation, right? And, and when, to me, the, the, this feeling of being aware of how you are is, it, to me personally, it's the key to dealing with stressful situations, key to, key to dealing with 
with you know when situations around you change uh, because when situations around you change you being stressed out is not the best best way to deal with the situation right but in order for you not to get stressed it's important for you to understand the uh, you know the uh, 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 that you yourself it, how you're feeling about the situation yeah right you're feeling so i read a lot about the you know the neuroscience uh, behind this you know how see when we were all living in the forest yeah you know you didn't know the next noise that you heard was it a tiger waiting to pounce on you or was it you know something just passing by so your body reacted the same way you know your your body kicked in the adrenaline and you know it made you it made you uh, ready enough to fight a flight right today when you are in the in the office and your boss is shouting at you your body is not distinguishing between the tiger in the forest and the and the office and the and your boss in the cubicle the body is preparing in the same way fight or flight right so you're creating it you're getting yourself into a stressful state so being aware of 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 as a leader being aware of your actions and how your actions can put the other person in a difficult situation to me is the is the core of spirituality that is my definition debug it is not a path to enlightenment or anything it is just about me being a better person you know in every interaction that i have with somebody else but that's the beauty isn't it jevi i think uh, <clears throat> growing up in a culture i think each one of us could have a different uh, way to define what spirituality or religion or way of life is but ultimately i think it's it's about what works for uh, for us i mean you you summed it up beautifully uh, by saying that while you lost your temper i think most of us don't even realize that we lost our temper or we try and justify why we lost our temper but but being aware and then not being able to repeat uh, uh, the same uh, in another situation is what separates people who are more self-aware than uh, anybody else, isn't it? It is, you know, and I, I want to stress this again, Deepak. Yeah, it's a journey for me. And I fail at this every day. Every day I fail at it, right? Uh, but there is at least one occasion in which I succeed and I, I say, listen, ah, that in that situation, I didn't fall for it. I was aware and I didn't fall for, for losing my temper or using the wrong kind of words. Because the urge to use very strong words and to, to do, you know, to, uh, you know to, to put somebody down is, is very much there. Right, for, uh, uh, for most people. Being aware of it, because it's your ego at play. And being aware of it helps you helps you avoid that situations. Absolutely. Um, again, beautifully said and articulated, Jebi. Truly inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and and your stories with us today. I mean, you are a wonderful storyteller, uh, in the most positive sense, uh, Jebi. I I didn't mean that you are someone. No, who I understand. Story. Beautiful, beautifully put. Uh, you. You, your insights on various aspects of life and business uh, has left us with a wealth of uh, knowledge and most certainly unique perspectives. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Wisdom, Jabi. Any so parting much. thoughts for, for our listeners before we wrap it up? Not really, Deepak. I think I've, I have uh, spoken enough. I, just, just, you know, have this thought that each one of us can make a difference. I... And uh, we have a short time here on earth and how we use, how we choose to spend that time is important, right? We are going through a whole bunch of challenges across the world, right? In terms of, um, I just read a report and happened to use today. Uh, it's winter time in South America and it's 100 degrees, 
Mm. Right. That's the impact that climate change is having. And for us, you know, we aren't having those conversations in in our own in our own circles on our own impact on climate change. We are uh, we are kicking the can down the down the road. So we got to get serious about this. Hmm. So on that sober and thoughtful note, uh, JB, thank you once again for you. Uh, for being a part of this podcast. Thank you very much, Deepak. <laughs> never miss an episode subscribe to wisdom today and be part of a growing community of wisdom seekers let's unlock the profound secrets of life together see you next time